Subscribe now to the Blazada Beats and Blood podcast, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on all other major platforms. Welcome to the Blazada Beats and Blood podcast. I am your host, Blazada. And in this podcast, we dance with the devil in the pale moonlight. We invite others to gather round and share their encounters with the strangest of strangers. We reminisce about the folklore from our youth that kept us in line and kept us awake at night. San Antonio, it's home to many icons, the Alamo, Fiesta, NBA champions, and the best damn tacos in the world. While not as large or well-known as the other cities here in Texas, it's one rich with diversity and culture that makes it so enchanting to its residents and visitors alike. We will baile all night long at the market square and stand in line for hours for that coveted chicken on a stick. It's the city that I call home, and I couldn't be prouder of the gente here that represent it. Now we here in San Antonio have had many local legends that mystified us as children. We heard whispers from our friends about the train tracks, the aqueducts, and the donkey lady. Folklore with origins that vary depending on who told the story. Locals here will often swear that they've seen an entity or a kukui that almost got them that one time. It's part of the fabric of our culture that unites us and keeps us vigilant of the dangers in the dark. It's here in San Antonio that one story in particular originates, and it's captured the interest of this podcast. As a devout follower of all things strange and paranormal, I was very interested in learning more about this local legend. I reached out to the owners of Barbaco Apparel, a beloved local business from right here in San Antonio, and the owners were very much willing to share with us their knowledge of this icon. So without further ado, please join me in welcoming our guests for today's episode, Matt, Richard, and Nydia, the artisans behind Barbaco Apparel, as they discuss the legend of the Dancing Devil. Hey y'all, this is Barbaco Apparel. I'm Matt, and I'm here with... Nydia. And... Richard. All right, y'all. So um, before we get into the actual legend, let's hear about when y'all first heard about the Dancing Devil. Yeah, so I heard about it growing up, I mean, probably as early as I can remember. I mean, maybe like eight or nine years old um, because I actually grew up not far from the uh, nightclub that this happened at. Um, I mean, I'd say maybe like five minute drive away from from the nightclub um so it was very popular um folktale growing up in my household um and these are kind of just stories that we would like hear um kind of just to like instill some fear in like mm-hmm. you know kids right just to kind of like 
Keep you know, in mind. Yeah, get them to behave. <laughs> and so th- I feel like a lot of those these like folk tales start off that way. Um, so I, I just heard about it um, because it was just something that you know um, my siblings would just tell stories um, and living close to the place. So mm-hmm. that's kind of where I first heard about it. You know, kind of similar for me, like my mom was really into dancing when she was younger and would talk about going to different clubs around town. Though she was very familiar with El Camaroncito, which is the club that this incident allegedly happened. She wasn't there that night, but she would talk about, you know, the the legend. Because like what Richard said, um, parents were really into scaring kids back in back back when we were kids. And so that was always... Um, fun to try to go to sleep after hearing (laughs) stuff like that yeah yeah uh similar for me too so my uh dad grew up kind of uh, close to to rich and uh, his my grandmother uh would tell me a lot of stories when i was younger to scare the uh living daylights out of me and try to keep me uh obeying my parents so that's (laughs) so we're all very similar then it's like i guess yeah shared trauma if i remember correctly this happened in October around Halloween or on Halloween. Um, this is the seventies, right? Like I maybe late seventies or yeah, at least the mid, like mid seventies to late seventies. Um, and one night, Halloween night, I guess <laughs> there was a, uh, and let me preface this by saying Camaroncito was a very, popular like nightclub and at least that's what like my mom has described it like back then very very like popular dance club so a lot of people would go there and so halloween night there was a young lady at this club and there was a very attractive gentleman that was in this club (laughs) and um you know just had all the looks and you know like women were just like fawning for him. Ooh. Do you remember what he was wearing? Because I've heard a white suit or... Okay. I've heard white suit. I've heard a okay, suit. White suit. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if I remember... Yeah, white? Okay, I don't know if yeah. there was a color to it. I just... Okay, that's interesting. Which is like a pretty ballsy move if you ask me a white suit. That's for the devil? Right. I mean, yeah, you know, you know white. Keep that thing clean all night. Yeah. Sweating. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is white's his color too, right? I guess the contrast, red, yeah. you know, I don't know. Pops. Anyway, <laughs> it pops. So... You know, and if it's the 70s, I mean, like, the, that's the disco era... True. Very true. You know, I feel light colored suits were pretty popular back then. Yeah. So maybe it was just, you know, not so ballsy as, as it was just fashionable. In mm-hmm. vogue, as the kids say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so apparently he started dancing with this young lady. They started dancing and um, having a good time. And then at some point she looks down and notices his feet are not human. All right, y'all. Let's take a quick break from the episode to talk a little bit more about our storytellers today. Barbaco Apparel is a Latin-owned, woman-owned, and LGBTQ plus-owned business that specializes in creating amazing San Antonio and Tex-Mex culture t-shirts and accessories. You can visit them online at barbacoapparel.com or on Instagram via their handle at barbacoapparel. Be sure to visit their events page to learn how you can snag barbacoapparel graphic tees, accessories, stationery, and more. 
They make appearances at many events all over San Antonio each month, including the upcoming Disco Cowgirl pop-up party on July 28th from 7 to 11 p.m. at the Blue Star Arts Complex, hosted by Brick and SA Local Market. You can buy your tickets now at barbacoapparel.com forward slash pages forward slash events. Also, be sure to check out their exclusive Dancing Devil vinyl sticker on their website, in addition to their weird but cute t-shirt, both of which are available now. You can use the discount code BLAZADA at checkout to save 10% off your order. I'll put the links in the description for today's episode. Alright y'all, so let's head back into the studio so the team can tell us more about the Dancing Devil. So some some people say that she saw chicken feet, and I think that's the original kind of story mm-hmm. in San Antonio. That's what my mom said. Mm-hmm. And then there's some variations that say that it was hooves, like donkey hooves. Or goat. Or or goat, mm-hmm. right? So that's kind of where it's tricky. Like Or one of each. Or, or Yes, and I think I've heard one of each, too. Like, I think mm-hmm. one was chicken foot and one was a mm-hmm. hoof, maybe. Because, yeah. you know, so, when you're putting shoes on in the dark, it can be kind of hard to... <laughs> yeah. Find a matching pair. You know, he was pressed for time. (laughs) He was late. So, um, and so she looked down, saw what she saw, and then was freaked out, of course. Rightfully so. Uh, You know, taken aback. And I also have heard that there was a smell of sulfur. Yes. I've heard that as well. Okay. Yeah. Um, Telltale sign. Yeah, classic sign, sulfur. Of old Lucifer, you, you know? smell sulfur, run. So she shrieked, right? Like she, okay. like so. I've I've heard like she, yeah. When when she saw his feet, she like gasped or yelled at the horror. I think people in the nightclub like kind of turned and looked to see what was going on, mm-hmm. and he dashed. Like he just leaves. Like he's upset. She outed him, mm-hmm. and apparently runs to the bathroom to to the to the bathroom and just escaped. And then no one ever saw him again. So, So that's kind of the version, mm-hmm. right? That that I've heard is like very similar. Which yeah. yeah, pretty much. Now, the same do you thing. think the sulfur smell came from him being startled when she screamed? <laughs> oh, could be. Very he, yeah, you know. And he just released some sulfur. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think you know if we're talking about like how how lore starts, there are there are a lot of eyewitnesses, right? And mm-hmm. so like this kind of. Um, kind of like rippled out in terms of the the cheese train, right? Mm-hmm. Because for my mom to hear it and Richard's mom to know about it and my dad probably knew about it too and everybody who grew up on the west side during that time period like maybe 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 somebody did see something freaky and it wasn't just hearsay. Yeah. Mass panic. Yeah. Yeah. But I and I've always been like interested in like eyewitness accounts like I mean I asked my mom like if she had ever heard of anyone claiming to be there that night that saw it and she 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 didn't know anyone but right I mean you like it's a well, packed nightclub like, someone's uh, gotta yeah. be around so, so we, we saw the sticker right we saw the Dancing Devil sticker and it was a Fiesta Metal first um, in the booth and and when people see it I've heard a lot of customers tell me oh I know somebody who was there that night and or why not, not not they know some sorry I know somebody who knows somebody who was there that okay, day. Okay, yeah. 
and you know I know this happened and you know what I mean or blah 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 so I mean there definitely is like some some accounts of third and fourth hand eyewitness accounts yeah <laughs> right yeah. but I mean like I wouldn't I don't know you never know you never know I think what's, what's, to happened. me what's really great about this specific urgent urban legend is that not only is it tied to a specific location but it's tied to like a specific business that existed yeah because like everything like the donkey lady's at a bridge the ghost tracks are just tracks you know what i'm saying but this is like an actual like somebody filed uh paperwork with the city to open up this establishment <laughs> like this mm-hmm. is like an actual business that existed that this happened at and i think it's you know yeah crazy to think that like the and, the, and, and this wasn't this one wasn't that long ago yeah it's kind yeah. of like a modernized yeah. urban legend or or you know phenomenon that that we know people like mm-hmm. your parents' generation who were affected by it. Because I don't know. I mean, are there any urban legends from our generation that you can think of? Uh, I mean, I don't think so. Not not like to this level. Yeah. I feel like they those were all like our parents' generations and like and grand, grandparents, right? And before. But like, I feel like these days, nothing like on this scale. Uh, maybe it's because everybody has an iPhone, and, right? And like, yeah. you know. I feel like this is the latest one. I can't think of one that's later than this one because, like, the or most recent, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, this is the most like because the only one other one I can think of is the Ghost Tracks, but that wasn't. I don't know what year, the decade that was, but it wasn't. I feel this, like that was, was earlier, earlier, and yeah. then the the bridge. I'm not sure the Donkey Lady that had to have been like and before the 70s. way before, yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's another one too, right? The um, Yorona. I mean, you know, that's always kind of. I think that I think that one also kind of like is a I think that's also hotel like pre- just southwest part yeah. of the U.S. is just kind of like everyone has their own version of it. But I don't know if other parts outside of San Antonio have a version like this, right? Because mm-hmm. you hear about that with like the train tracks, with mm-hmm. the ghost tracks, but mm-hmm. with the with the dancing devil, I feel like that's uniquely San Antonio. Maybe you know. Yeah, yeah and um, I have this book called weird texas and it talks about all of um urban legends and and just like oddities here in in our state and the dancing devil is attributed to san antonio so okay yeah like they they don't mention this is just like a an overall texas urban legend it is specifically a san antonio one okay and i will say that um in terms of like its popularity this one, I feel like it's either generational or it's geographical because there's there are we do get a lot of people who ask us about like we do mm-hmm. when they see the sticker or the, or the metal they're yeah. like oh I don't know the story behind this what you know and it's probably because it's such a niche mm-hmm. thing that happened mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. one club mm-hmm. yeah on the west side one back year. in the seventies one club two hooves <laughs> two hooves yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay so uh, do we or do we not believe that this actually happened. That is the hard-hitting question. I mean, I always, like, I love these folk lores. Mm -hmm. And so, like, in my heart of hearts, I want to believe. I do believe that something happened. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like it's such a unique thing for someone or a group of people to make up Mm -hmm. and say that they all saw this and it happened at a nightclub where there's lots of, like, spectators. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard to... I don't know, like, lie about that or, like, you know. And so I feel like something did transpire. And I think some of the details maybe just got, you know, like, lost or muddled or whatever. Whether, like, he had chicken feet or, like, hooves. But I feel like a lot of people agree on certain 
things that happened. And so, yeah, I think it happened, personally. I would like to believe something cool like that happened. It's a, it's a little harder for me to believe stuff because I'm, I'm very much like, I need a lot of evidence for the, you know, to, to understand something in the first place. And so for this, if this is all firsthand accounts, that's a positive in making it kind of like potentially true because it's multiple people. But you want to see plaster footprint castings? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to see them, but that would help me believe in the legitimacy of this. Yeah. Okay. I think I'm with Rich. I, I, I don't know if I believe that a man with chicken feet came into a club and and uh, danced the night away as much as I believe that something happened. Because, like, why else would you have a story about it? About, like, right. Like, who's going to make up a story and just, like, get spreads like wildfire like that? Well, yeah, because it's just, like, this is, a, this is a popular club in the West Side. And, you know, I get that our city is kind of small and a lot of people know each other, but... Mm-hmm. There have to be a lot of people who don't know each other attending this October dance. And, you know, this is pre-internet, right? So, like, Mm -hmm. they couldn't start a secret group and say, oh, we're going to start this rumor or whatever. So, you know, never deny it. Like, Yeah, Mm -hmm. like, play along. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And I feel like, I mean, I've heard, like, from my parents and, like, older siblings, like, I feel like there was a lot more supernatural sightings, like, back in the day, like, when my parents were younger, I, because I've always heard stories from, like, from them, um, of, like, sightings, like, supernatural sightings, like, maybe, like, seeing, like, the devil, you know, like, when they were walking home at night or something, if they were out late with their friends, like, they were walking home, maybe they saw something or heard something, like, freaky or, like, supernatural, and I feel like, I feel like at least, like, in, like, from some of my, like, family, like, there seems to be a lot of like more of this occurrence back then when they were younger and now it's just like you know as we you know this generation I feel like we don't really see those things or we don't really have those experiences maybe it's just us that don't I don't know maybe I'm sure there's people out there light pollution man that do (laughs) I mean I will say that my grandma said when she was a little girl that she saw and she she lived out in uh, Yorktown back when she was a kid but she saw a cow get sucked up into the sky by like a ufo no that's what, what she said yeah. oh the lechusa i don't know that was another one i was trying to think of that oh, that yeah. was a very popular yes. folk, folklore too and that for for those who don't know um i mean that the lechusa was supposed to be like a cross between like a, a woman and like an owl or like a bird right mm-hmm. and she would just go... I mean, this is what I would hear from my parents. Again, trying to keep kids in line, they would tell, like, that she would go... If you don't behave or whatever, mm-hmm. she would she would appear to you in a tree and you would, like, hear... Like, you could hear her whistling. And that's how you knew she was around up in the trees. And so... That's so terrifying. And so, like, I know that, so like... Terrifying yeah, right? And, like, and I think, yeah. like, like, my dad has told me, like, when he was a kid, that he would, you know, would be walking home late at night and maybe, like, you know, just... Not where he's supposed to be, right? Maybe like just out being late, out late at night, and that he would. I mean, he told me that he like would hear whistling. One time, he heard whistling like coming from trees, mm-hmm. and like turned and like didn't see anything, didn't see anyone standing there, and then like kind of just ignored it, and then like heard it again, and then didn't. See, and then at that point, he just like ran home, like he just mm-hmm. didn't wait to see what was there. 
I think other people have accounts of of seeing that around town. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever, just making the rounds. There's nothing making creepier. Making the rounds. <laughs> There's nothing creepier than whistling at night, right? <laughs> That's like, like the worst. You know, right? <laughs> it's, and it, yeah, and then hearing it from the trees, like yeah. it's just like, and at night it's just yeah. So I, I feel like those stories existed a lot more, mm-hmm. you know, back then and now. Just like mm-hmm. you don't really hear that. So. I love these urban urban legends. I think that oh yeah, uh, me too. The San Antonio specific ones are great because I feel like it really bonds the city because it, it really does. <laughs> you just know that everyone knows about them, and it makes you feel, you know, that much like of a smaller part of the community. And yeah, it, yeah, and, I, and it's just I think part of our culture, like mm-hmm. um, you know, our, our Mexican culture. Like, there's lots of like stories like that that just I, I think again going back to just whether they originated from like some kind of similar story or just sort of embellished to again make kids kind of like behave mm-hmm. and kind of just use those like stories to to scare them mm-hmm. um but it's it's very they're those stories are very deeply rooted in san Antonio's culture but i love them i feel like um these are stories that we need to continue kind of just mm-hmm. like telling people who have not heard about them mm-hmm. and passing them along just to kind of keep them alive and mm-hmm. you know keep the stories going and and leave it up to 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 the people to interpret if they're real or fake, you know. Mm-hmm. I think that's like the fun mystery behind it. Is like yeah. we, we never really know, mm-hmm. but they're fun to imagine. Like, what if? What if? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this was fun. Yeah, and hats off to to Michael mm-hmm. and the Blazada podcast. Like, thank you so much for having us. This was fun getting together as a team to talk about to the talk dancing about this. devil. Yes, mm-hmm. anytime. I know. I'm going to need an egg rub after today's episode. I'd like to thank Nydia, Matt, and Richard from Barbaco Apparel for lending their time and sharing their amazing story with the podcast. Estas gentes son unas buenas personas, so give them some love and visit their website, barbacoapparel.com, to order your next shirt today. Don't forget to use the discount code Blazada to save that 10%. If you would like to learn more about the Dancing Devil legend or the other lores mentioned in today's episode, you can check out the book Nidia mentioned, Weird Texas, on Amazon. The link will be included in the show description. To have your story featured on the Blazada Beats and Blood podcast, you can email blazadaproductions at gmail.com. The soundtrack and music featured in today's podcast was written, composed, and produced by me, Blazada. You can listen to my music now on Spotify, Apple Music, iHeartRadio, and anywhere else you get your music. All episodes of the Blazada Beats and Blood podcast are available to stream on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and iHeartRadio. This has been the Blazada Beats and Blood podcast. And as always, thanks for listening. <laughs>